There is a perfect example of motherhood out there. We've all felt its presence. It lingers in our social media feed, in the products we buy, the answers to the questions we research. Even though we know it's not real, we feel it spotlight what we could be doing better. Join two best friends as they step off the stage of motherhood and go behind the scenes with moms from different walks of life. The Mom Cult Podcast. Real moms, real talk, real tired. Okay, good. We can hear you through our headphones. Okay, good. I'm entirely lit from the left, so I'm. Like... You picked your best it side. Looks great. Appreciate really? it. Yeah. Thanks. I was really hoping we you weren't going to show your right side at all, but I know, we, right? We oh, can I can see now is fine, yeah. I guess. Okay. <laughs> How so are nice you? you? I'm good. Yeah, I was at work getting ready to leave and got a notification on my email that I had a meeting in 15 minutes that I completely forgot about. Good, good, good. Yeah. That's the story of my whole life. Yeah, she thought we were meeting at 1230. I was like, did you think I just got here like an hour early just for kicks? Yeah, I did think that. (laughs) What do you do at the airport? Uh, I... (laughs) Loaded question. Mm, It is, yeah. Uh, I am the general manager for the airline that comes in just like small regional. It's like our airport has one gate. So like small. Got it. Yeah. Do you like it? No. (laughs) We'll cut this. (laughs) It's a job. It's yeah. It's, it's a job that affords me flexibility. Right. Yeah. Okay, I am so excited, obviously, also anxious because I'm out of my comfort zone and am worried I'm going to ask stupid questions or word the questions stupidly, but that's what Sarah's here for because maybe she'll say something more stupid. 100%. So then, then I'll look good. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, but so Nico and I met because we both took a five, six-week writing class online. So we've only ever seen each other on Zoom. Yes. And it's such an interesting space because we barely know each other. But when you're joining an online writing class, you're already putting yourself in a vulnerable position because writing is vulnerable. Writing with other people, reading what you're writing is vulnerable. Just the act itself, let alone what you're writing about. Everyone is there because they're going to be writing about something that is extremely personal. And so we very quickly got to kind of know the things that everyone was struggling with or wanted to talk about, even though we didn't get too personal outside of the writing itself. But I was just fascinated by your story. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is a perfect, be a a perfect person to have on the podcast because Uh, Not only do you know what it is like to be a mom, but you have also gone through multiple identity shifts, which is one of the things that I was curious to talk to you about because shifting from not being a mom to a mom is a huge identity shift. And I had wondered what that was like for you in comparison to all the other identity shifts that you've gone through. But I will, I'll read the bio that you wrote and then you can feel free to add to it or any other part of your journey that you want to talk about or that you feel is important, but 
This is Nico McCall, everyone. Welcome, Nico. Thank you. Nico is a 40-something, in quotations, mom to an 18-year-old high school senior. His transition from female to male has come with many challenges and has also helped to create an unbreakable bond with his son. Nico lives in Kansas and outside of his day job, which he clearly does not like, <laughs> is an actor, writer, and podcast host. And you can check out his podcast. <clears throat> it is called Lead with Compassion. And you can hear all about Nico's journey on his podcast if you want to take a listen. So welcome, Nico. And thank you so, so much for being here. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. We are yeah. excited. Yeah, absolutely. I'm thrilled to be here. Being a mom is not something I get to talk about much. I know. So... Very exciting. <laughs> yeah, I usually have to pretend that I'm like the stepdad or some awkward situation that doesn't right. actually exist. So, yeah. Yeah. I listened to the episode where your son was little, how he had a hard time and you guys figuring out what he would call you. And yeah. does he still call you mom or is he, that, does. Is he okay. Do you, yep. is there part of you that likes that or is um, that something that you just kind of allow him to be able to do? There is a part of me that is more comfortable being called mom in public mm -hmm. than I used to be. So I used to freeze me in my tracks and I'd look around to see who noticed. And and now it just it's just what he calls me. So yeah. I just assume that no one is paying attention to our conversation. <laughs> right. <laughs> Everyone's hopefully just dealing with their own stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> I was curious just because I do feel like there is a, I think a pride that moms carry with just the, that we've grown these babies and we've birthed them. And I didn't know if there was any part of you that wanted to hold on to that. Like, no, I am. I am a mom too, because I did all the, all the shit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think there, I think that part of me is buried somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I don't let that part out, uh, even into my awareness often, I think. Yeah. But it's, I think I feel it most when women are having conversations about motherhood, and I feel like I can't join in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, or that it's, you know, I like, there's a weird line in the sand for me and I don't know that it exists outside of me but definitely in me to where I've had these experiences and I feel like there is a place for me in the conversation and at the same time I feel like I just come across as mansplaining right or like wow. trying to jump into a conversation that isn't actually for me that's so interesting that is yeah. interesting I would have had no idea that you were trans. And the only reason that I, I mean, obviously your writing was about that, but my first realization was because of what I wrote, which was all about being a new mom. And then we would get feedback from the other people in our small group. And so Nico's feedback was like, oh my gosh, I relate to every single thing that you just said. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, we like, and I'm sure that cis men struggle with that as well. But just, I mean, I was not trying to get pregnant. 
I really didn't want to be pregnant. It was really early in a not so good marriage. And you were, you and were super young, right? 23. On the side. 23. Yeah, yeah 23. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after I had him, I went through postpartum depression and had no idea what was happening. And, you know, it was just, yeah, just so many like internal struggles with that. So yeah, I, I totally relate. <laughs> I think I feel like... I feel left out sometimes, you know, because yeah. I I don't I don't know, like my confidence level isn't high enough to even see if it's OK for me to interject into a conversation that's already happening. Mm-hmm. And so I just uh, I just silence myself a lot of times, I think. But yeah, I mean, I feel that sometimes if I'm with a mom or if I'm at a park and I hear a mom on the phone, maybe talking about something and she's stressed out, I will feel that urge to want to say something useful or I don't know. And I will feel that like, oh, but it's not really my business. And maybe they don't want uh, the camaraderie or the opinion right now. So yeah, I can't imagine the extra levels of having that pull and then having to shut it down to be like, this is just going to be too too complicated. Yeah. Yeah. And it it depends a lot on location too. Like I was just in LA this weekend and having tons of conversations and openly talk about anything in those kinds of situations where I figure the people are more open to that kind of thing. But you know, where I live, I'm pretty closeted. So. Right. Yeah. Well, we usually kind of start off with just a check-in of just how's your life right now, this week, today. One of us can go first, I guess. Sarah hasn't said anything yet. <laughs> That's my um, fault, though. And bombarding. I um no 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 it was good. This isn't my check in, but I just loved I've loved listening to your podcast and hearing your story. And something that you said that resonated with me was I mean, and this is jumping forward a little bit, but I was just looking at my notes and I get like crippling. You have talked about. I guess it was early on in the process, um, getting anxiety about being seen. And I don't know if anxiety is the right word, but anyway, so much of what you said resonated with me in my own experience. And that was great to see and hear, but I get crippling anxiety (laughs) about being seen and heard or thinking and feeling anything at any point. (laughs) I mean, not every time, but like, it just depends. And sometimes I'm super, you know, it's super confident what I'm saying sometimes, but it, my point is, thank you. I'm glad Joy's been talking because I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to say the wrong thing. <laughs> um, I'm just better at faking it because I'm an actor. You are. <laughs> She's so good on her feet. Thank God. Or else this would just be just <laughs> so much of the time I'm frozen. Just <laughs> um, my check-in is a story from yesterday that could have gone one or two ways. My son is three. His name's Parker. And we were on the way to school and he was talking about his teacher, who's a guy. And he said, um, uh, why did I say that part? Oh, because he said that's irrelevant. I mean, sort of anyway, wow, (laughs) this is good. Welcome to the mom cult podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mr. Camden, he's talking about Mr. Camden and he said his, his English is still pretty broken at three. And so I'm just like deciphering what he said. And, and then he said, maybe today we'll go in the other room with Mr. News, (laughs) Mr. News, 
wears pants. He has a worm in his pants. <laughs> it's really funny. And I mean, it's, I'm laughing about it now. <laughs> Thank God. But my like stomach fully dropped out. Every trigger alarm went off. I thought, oh, sh-, you know, fuck. Sorry, we can cut it. I don't know. <laughs> fuck, this is it. This is, my God, this is happening. So I was like fully every physiological response. And so I stayed calm. So we pulled up to school and it was raining and we got him inside. And then his teacher, who's like a sub, she doesn't know my whole vibe really well. And I was like, okay, hey, okay, can I, can I? Can I, can I talk to just you for quick, a sec? Quick check in. <laughs> yeah, just want to check in. Actually, she got him out of the car because it was raining. And he was like, are we going to be in the other room with Mr. News today? He has a worm in his pants. And I was like, oh my God, what is Mr. News? And so the teacher was like, no, I was with him. You know, and anyway, I wrote an email. And then they sent me a picture about 1030. This is like an hour and a half later of the worm in his pants. Mm-hmm. There's literally <laughs> a worm. It's a... It is a Hulk toy in the other kid's room, and it does look exactly like there's a worm in his pants. Hundred <laughs> percent accurate. Uh, so. Where is the worm in his pants located exactly? In his pants? Well, I can show you. I can pull that up. It's it's fascinating. Really. Like his a, knee or his ankle? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll show you too, Nico. It it does look just and, like and, the. Also for context, Parker calls everything long and thin a worm, but it's like, okay, so there's blue pants on the Hulk and, uh, and, and, and right where his, right where his, it's like the pleating of where the zipper goes. They just like really enhance it. They need it. They really needed to enhance. I don't know why he calls him Mr. News, but (laughs) he said, he said he calls him Mr. News because he's green. So there you go. That's my check-in. Wow, what a story. I thought I didn't have a check-in at all. And then I remembered that like two nights ago, we were out to dinner and my daughter, Ava, who is 10, was sitting there and she just goes, guys, I'm really starting to feel like this whole Santa thing is sketchy. <laughs> and we just started laughing because we were kind of waiting for it. How old was your son when the Santa conversation happened? Or maybe there wasn't a conversation, but when he's when he was like, when was his last Christmas? Um, I don't remember how old he was. I remember thinking at the time that he was older than he should have been. He really held on to that. And I mean, because when I was a kid, I was investigating crap. Like I stayed up late to catch my parents as uh-huh. the tooth fairy. And so I was just like, I'm with reality on right. this one. And um, yeah, so he, I'm pretty sure we were like junior high and there were tears. <laughs> devastated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in his defense, if he needs defended, um, he had like his dad and I divorced when he was one, two years old. And so all he's known is a divided house. And he goes to a religious school. And so there's like this whole element in his life of you have to believe things. Mm. And so, yeah, he, he really held on to that. Yeah. 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 It was a tough. Well, she, she discovered the tooth fairy not that long ago. And so I was like, okay, well, once you start unraveling, you know, it's just gonna, one's going to come after the other. So we were surprised that it hadn't come up yet. And can we talk about what 
have you have you noticed this? I feel like I didn't notice it till she was old enough to understand. But almost every single children's Christmas movie has to bring up the fact that some people don't believe there's a Santa Claus, mm-hmm. and there's a rumor that it's the parents, and there's a like every, every single movie and it makes us so mad. Me and Jeremy were mm. like, they're putting it in their heads now because that's like yeah. the only conflict they can come up with in this Christmas yeah. movie. Yeah, I remember having wrong. that anxiety. Yeah, in those films. And I was like, oh my goodness, is this going to trigger the question? Right. Like, yeah. I mean, it went about as smoothly as we thought it would go. And her big concern was that if she brought it up, or found out that Santa wasn't real, that it would mean less Christmas presents. So she's fine. <laughs> Eventually, but not quite yet. Right, right. Eventually they'll, yeah, they'll dwindle, but you're yeah. still good for now. Yeah. But now she's excited because she gets to be on the on the inside. Um, right, yeah. For the, for the two-year-olds. So she'll have fun keeping it alive for that purpose. Yeah, I think it's easier for the oldest because you can spin it that way. Mm-hmm. Like now, now you like, you get to be a part of making yeah. this great for the yeah. year. Yeah. You get to be a part of making the magic. Which mm-hmm. is yeah. 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 But anyway, that's my check-in. How's your yeah. week, Nico? Well, I, my check-in was going to be from this past weekend because I went to LA and did an acting intensive, which was incredible. Um, I'm jealous. The, it was two days. The first day was six hours of embodiment and breath work which at the beginning of class, we did kind of a check-in and I was like anxiety on the level of pure terror. Just like, I'm going to spend the next six hours with myself and my body. (laughs) (laughs) I was freaking out, Um, but it was wonderful. Great, magical. Everything was amazing. The next day was scene study and it was just as incredible. And your story, your check-in, Joy, reminded me last night, I still split custody with my son. He goes back and forth. And so he came to our house last night and he didn't have to work and I didn't have anything going on. And so I was like, this is a great time to start Christmas movies. And a year ago, two years ago, we started with the Die Hard series. We got like the whole five movie collection and we made it through the first three. And he's like, we got to start with Die Hard. Let's start there. And so I go to turn it on and there's the like the regular version, right? The theater, theatrical version and Mm -hmm. the unrated version. And I just ask him, I was like, so which should we watch theatrical or unrated? And he just says, well, the unrated version, I'm a man now. (laughs) And I just stopped and I was just like, yes, legally that, wow. That is, I know that you feel that way. That is true. (laughs) Technically. Like I can't, I can't even argue that anymore because legally he can vote. And I was just, I was a little taken aback by that comment. A little heartbreaking. Yeah, a little bit. Wait, so he's 18? Is he 18? Yeah, he's 18. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he turned 18 over the summer. Mom Colt, have you washed your car yet in 2023? Better yet, have you vacuumed the back seat of your car in 2023? I don't know if you visited Camel Express before, but they have crazy high-powered vacuums that are stronger than any vacuum I've used in my life, and they're free. For a limited time, Mom Cult member, you can get a best wash that's a $25 value free. 
You just text MOMCULT to 30400 and you get a free $25 car wash texted to your phone. Visit camelexpress.com to find your camel, the one nearest to you. Get over there and wash off the ground of 2022 today. Well, I know some questions I want to ask. Do you have any one asked? Do you want to go first? I have some. Um, mine are just comments. I think that will come out. Um, well, I guess the question that I kind of touched on when you go from not being a parent to a parent and specifically for moms, just because of the pregnancy and the birth and the breastfeeding that a lot of the moms that we talk to, are, I would say it's safe to say all mm-hmm. is that you're kind of hit in the face with this. Who am I now? What does this new identity look like? And I guess I was just curious because you had dealt with that in other aspects of your life if that shift still felt kind of as heavy or if, because you'd lived through that before, if it was just kind of another aspect of discovering another part of yourself, or if it was still like, oh my gosh, I'm a parent and responsible for this kid. Um, um, yeah. Cause that came, yeah, that came first. So I was, when I got pregnant, I was 100% attempting to live the life that was expected of me mm-hmm. as a woman obviously married to a man and so yeah motherhood was kind of the first shocking uh, experience i guess i actually had lost two grandfathers in the matter of 30 days and then two mm-hmm. weeks later found out i was pregnant mm-hmm. i remember coming home and taking a test and sitting on the couch and I like I was frozen on the couch. I could not move the rest of the day. It was not something I was ready for or prepared for or anything. So yeah. Do you feel like it helped? Because um, another theme that I feel like you touch on a lot in your podcast, and that I feel like comes up a lot on ours too, is as a parent, how important it is to be your most authentic self and to be the best version of yourself so that you can be the best parent for your kids. And I was wondering if, if becoming a parent since that happened first helped move the process along in you figuring those things out. And you- yep, absolutely. Like 100%. I remember, I think I talk about it in an episode of the podcast, maybe where I was like, the marriage was not sustainable and i started journaling and through my journaling was able to realize that my like my goal as a mom was to raise my son to love himself and i realized as i was writing it that there was no way i could teach him that if i didn't love myself and that really kind of opened the book to like self-exploration for the first time in my life, really. And that's what led me to come out as a lesbian. And I lived as a lesbian for like 11, 12 years. And then I still feel like I failed at that, like teaching him to love himself for who he was. I mean, he went through like the same, I hate myself. I don't know why I'm here struggles that a lot of, you know, junior high teenage kids go through and yeah, yeah it's yeah something we're still trying to figure out 
Yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah. Yeah. My sister, um, she just came out with a book and is just constantly doing research on this generation of kids that has grown up with technology and how it's affected just, you know, all the levels of anxiety and depression and all these kids who have had trauma, but because it's not tangible the way it was for us, uh, they don't know that they're, that they've experienced it and they don't know how to talk about it or process it. And that as parents, now we're all trying to figure out some of those answers <laughs> in time. Like our kids aren't at that age yet, but, um, but obviously you've been through that if he's 18. Yeah. And I mean, that's like when I was a kid, I actually, I was late thirties when I realized that I'd lived my entire life with anxiety. Like just had no clue. Um, and as well as uncovering childhood traumas because they were just a life, you know, you didn't know any better and you go to bed and you wake up in the morning and everything is fine and there's no need to talk about anything. So I guess for my son, his traumas have been different than mine, but it, it's being aware of myself enough, I guess, to encourage conversation. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I don't know, it's, that's a tough, tough topic. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like my son, he, like, I've just always been really open about things and tried not to pit one parents against the other and help encourage understanding of maybe what the other parent, why they reacted the way that they did and said the things mm -hmm. that they did. And yeah just really open about my transition and, and everything. Did you, and this, this is one of the questions that I was anxious might be a stupid question or just a uninformed question. Did you feel like uh, coming out as a lesbian was kind of inevitably part of like just a chapter in leading to transitioning? And is that, Oh, dang, our meeting's going to end in 10. We'll call you back when this meeting okay. shuts down because <laughs> we don't have the pro membership, okay? <laughs> what are you going to do? not that cool. Yeah, no, uh, when I came out as a lesbian, I thought I had my life figured out. And that I was on the path to self-awareness. I was, like, going to live my best life. And that's not at all how it turned out. Yeah. It, yeah, I think I... I did really well leaning into that and figuring out who that aspect of me was and got into a second marriage and a few years into that marriage just became slowly more and more depressed. And I think actually until I had the experience of like I went to DC and I dressed only in men's suits and it, it wasn't even about um gender identity at that point in time it was just expression just because I, I mean it had always been like tomboy right and like didn't hated dresses and all this kind of thing and um so that was even just about expression and i was totally happy in dc living as a woman expressing like through my clothing dressing as a man until I came back home and went back to my regular life, mm -hmm. trying to fit 
what I had discovered back in the box that was already built for me here. Mm. And yeah, it didn't, I didn't fit. Yeah. Were you real, like, I'm, I guess it's a mix of both, but like relieved that you think you are maybe finding the reason why you're depressed. And then also the weight of like, are you fucking kidding me? I have to do all this again. <laughs> yep. Totally, totally terrified. And, you know, there was like, there was a sense of pride coming out as a lesbian, just mm-hmm. like I'm in your face. This is who I am. Take it or leave it. No, right. you can't like, yes, I exist. You have to look at me. And it, complete 180 flip coming out as trans. It was mm-hmm. just, I just wanted to hide. I didn't want anybody to see me. I didn't want anyone to question me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just completely like one end of each spectrum. So yeah. yeah. Wow. Do you feel like, like Joy was asking if, um, you know, one begot the other, like uh, being being a mom pushed you, you know, to, to dig. And I find that that's always the case. And do you think that then being a parent then also was pushing you into that? I mean, pushing you more, it's really the same question. Do you think that those things were related being um, like that digging, looking more like wanting to love yourself more seeing, I mean, I just feel like that's always the case. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that if I didn't have my son and I realized that I was trans, um, I think I could have made a choice and been just okay, mm-hmm. not transitioning. Mm-hmm. Um, but having him in my life and like he was like dead in the middle of I don't like myself, like kind of disposition, I guess. Um mm-hmm mentality towards himself. And I, yeah, I absolutely felt like I owed it to him to do everything I could to live authentically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I totally, I, I don't know if it's strange to say again, if it's clumsy, but I, I relate. <laughs> I yeah. totally relate. Yeah. And no, it's definitely, it's not just a trans thing like this, mm-hmm. like even as parents, like, I mean, I look back at my dad And he felt like his life was over at 48 because his dad Mm -hmm. died at 48. And Mm -hmm. he didn't have a life plan after the age of 48. And and it showed, you know, and he didn't have any support he felt to be able to kind of figure out what was going on with him. And yeah, and you know, we all suffered because of that. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, yeah, it's absolutely, I mean, even to this day, I definitely don't have many things figured out. (laughs) I feel almost daily that I'm behind the eight ball. So, you know, it's, yeah. And it's, it's constant kind of rediscovering myself and yeah. And where, where I want my life to be, I think. And always with him in mind, you know, like what, what am I doing with my life that is going to allow his life to be better? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of parents, I have a small handful of moms whose kids are very young and starting to express that they feel more like a girl or more like a boy or want to change their pronouns or want to grow out their hair or want to wear dresses or want to pee standing up, all the all the things. And we are navigating 
how to support these kids because that's all we want to do. We want to give them a different narrative than the one that we grew up with. And that's another reason that I just thought it would be so wonderful to have you on. But I, uh, I talked to one of my friends this morning and asked her if there's anything specific that she would want me to ask or that she would want to hear talked about. And I'll just read you what I wrote down that she said, um, uh, how parents can best be allies and teach their kids to be allies. And, you know, the parents themselves are going above and beyond to understand and to navigate, but there's still that huge fear of not having any control over if other families whose children aren't struggling with this, if they're getting informed as well, because obviously we want our kids to feel safe wherever they go and supported. And I just didn't know if you had any, any thoughts on that or, you know, going through it yourself as, as a kid and also as a parent. Um, I'm going to say I don't really have any advice. Every kid is different. You know, I think probably the best story I can share doesn't even involve my transition. It just involves how I conversed with my son, I guess, about the differences between his dad and me. And and because he would come to me heartbroken about different things. And it's just, you know, listening to him, you know, a apologizing for his dad saying things that aren't the healthiest for a kid and just making sure that he felt like he could always come to me and tell me anything mm -hmm. with with no judgment and it's the same kind of thing with kids and gender i mean it's a natural curiosity Right about like if you have some body parts and some other kid has some other body parts that are different than yours, that's weird, and you want to see it. Say what? It's just right. I mean, it's like that really weird looking rock over there, or Mister News. You know, I mean, you want to talk about it and you want to see what's different about it. And yeah, I don't. I think there. I haven't really been paying attention lately, but I know a couple years ago there was this really big hoopla in the news about like little kids transitioning and mm -hmm. doctors being forced to allow kids to transition. And, you know, maybe some of those kids are really trans and maybe some of them aren't, but I feel like it's ridiculous that we have to have a solid answer about it. Mm -hmm because we don't. I mean, gender, just like sexual orientation, it's on a spectrum. And it's it just it seems so ridiculous to me that adults are forcing this you have to be one thing or the other thing instead of just allowing space for exploration. Yeah. I mean, especially if the kid is feeling comfortable coming to their parent and saying a comment about any part of it, mm -hmm. right? That should be encouraged. Shutting them down is just going to, I mean, for me, it, I just went internally and I dealt with everything on my own. Other kids are going to go to other people and get answers that the parents may not like, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I would just keep encouraging the conversation. 
Yeah. Like encourage them to ask questions, find the answers together. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Good answer. That (laughs) is the correct answer. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, I'm sure they're just the way that, uh, you know, any parent is just like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing or this idea that there is a, what we're supposed to be doing. Why does this idea exist out there that, that there is a right and a wrong way to do every single thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love that. Like, I think that's one of my favorite things about this podcast is that it's, there's no black and white, right? There's just discussion. And because there's no right or wrong way to do things. I mean, maybe I feel like there are some wrong way to do some things, but like, you know, couple, I mean, it, right. Things, just just a few. Right. Um, but yeah, it's like nobody knows what they're doing. I mean, I'm like, I'm in my 40s now and I feel like I find myself having thoughts that when my parents were 40, they really figured feel like it felt to me like they had it figured out. Absolutely. And so I feel like at this point in my life, I should have it figured out. But if I look at it, not from my kid perspective back then, they probably didn't have much figured out. I just keep trying to remind myself that it's okay that I'm 42 and attempting to completely change what I'm doing with my life. (laughs) We're all just floundering around. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and that's okay. And I love that. So in some places that is becoming more okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Or at least talked about. Yeah. 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 Um, You mentioned your dad a minute ago and something that you said on your podcast that resonated or let me stop saying resonated. It sounds Um, really good. It's not even what I mean to say. It sounds really professional. Your dad, I love that he took a month or I mean, I just thought that that was a healthy thing to do. Like when he took a month, when you came out to talk to you about it. And I don't know if I'm saying that exactly as, as, as it was, but I wondered if that was the norm for him. And if that was the way that he parented, not taking a month to get back to you on things, but taking like a minute, taking a breather. And if that helped you at all, I don't know, taking that time, that temperament or that handling things in like a calm way, if that is how it was, um, helped you feel safer when you decided to come out. Does that make sense? Uh, Yeah, it does. It does make sense. And I'm glad that that's how he comes across because that's not how it was. <laughs> Seems like um, a real swell guy to, to us. <laughs> uh, no, he had a really rough childhood and okay. he processed everything through anger. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was more of you're not allowed to contact anyone in the family. And that was indefinite as far as I was concerned, because there was no time limit on it or anything. It was a shock to me that a month later he reached out and was like, look, I've come to this conclusion that you're still my kid. I still love you. You're really no different. Yeah, that was a complete shock. And I don't know that it made it any easier to come out as trans. I put that off as long as I could. I I mean, I had already started testosterone and it got to the point 
that I absolutely had to tell them because mm -hmm. changes were happening. And so I decided to write them a letter because I couldn't even face them with it. And after I wrote the letter, I knew I had to tell them in person. And so I literally took the letter with me and sat on their couch and bawled hysterically while reading the letter. How was their response? Well, it was the opposite of how I came out with my se sexual orientation. When I came out then, my mom was initially okay, but it took her longer to adjust. My dad was very much not okay, but in that month when he made the decision that I was still his kid, after that point, his adjusting period was over. He needed no more time to adjust to any of it. And when I came out as trans, my mom adjusted a lot faster. And I mean, she still had trouble adjusting and everything. To this day, my dad gets my name and pronouns wrong. Right. <laughs> Not intentionally. And my yeah. mother just gently corrects him. But, you know, I think coming out as a lesbian first just changed how I came out to them as trans. It was a messy, it was a mess when I came out as a lesbian. And so it was, yeah, I think I just... I told them both together when I came out as trans, that's not how things happened the first time around. And mm. so I think it it helped me make a cleaner admission <laughs> the second yeah. time around. Well, you had you kind of had the power taken away from you the first time because I did. they heard yeah. through the grapevine. So yes. Yeah. I would imagine some of it felt good to at least feel like you have like it was your decision to tell them when you wanted to tell them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is the hardest thing about parenting an 18-year-old right now? Um, planning his future for yeah. him. Yeah, it's, I mean, we're almost halfway through the senior year and we have no idea what's coming after high school. And I am trying very hard to be okay with that. Right. Does he <laughs> want to go to college or does he want to take time? We don't just? know. Yeah. Um, for the majority of his life, he wanted to be a marine biologist. And then high school kind of kicked his butt. And so we don't know. I'm trying very hard to focus on discovering what options are out there mm -hmm. instead of being like, why haven't you done this? And why haven't you done that? Senior year is almost halfway over and we have no idea what's going on. So what are we doing? <laughs> right. And just take some breaths and be yeah. like, okay, so what are we exploring this week? So step one was make a list of all things that you could possibly do after you graduate high school. <laughs> <laughs> Are like you? If, you're, if you're considering colleges, what colleges are yeah, on like that what list? Part of, yeah, what part like, of the, the world or anything? Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> are you a planner by nature, you personally? Um, I feel like a bit of a conundrum. I don't like to plan. I am a big procrastinator, and I also like to feel in control of things. So I think a lot of the ways I feel in control is by procrastinating. 
Right. Yeah. I'm choosing not to do this right now. Yes. Yeah. So much of your story, including that, is uh, it's just like it. You're just like uncovering my soul. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Hey, moms. Pardon the interruption. Just wondering if you've ever found yourself like on a random Tuesday with nothing planned for dinner, and what if you could have something like I don't know, handmade pasta, sauce, meatballs, ready to heat serve in like four minutes, then you should check out Mr. Aaron's Goods. It's really good. So aptly named. Um, I was looking and they have all the best versions of all the things like these chips that are amazing, um, bagels that are handmade from scratch. It's family owned and operated. The whole thing could not be cuter. And for a limited time, Mom Cult listeners get 20% off their entire purchase. Just use code MOMCULT to check out on MrAaronsGoods.com. That's M-R-A-A-R-O-N-S-G-O-O-D-S.com. They offer pickup Monday through Friday at TKO in East Nashville, free delivery in East Nashville on Saturdays. Just use code MOMCULT on MrAaronsGoods.com and get the goods delivered right to your door. I mean, given that you live in the greater Nashville area, I'm sure they're going to expand beyond that soon, but you're shit out of luck if you're not here. Okay. Thanks, guys. Uh, Looking back, do you have a pocket of years as a parent that were your favorite or the the hardest? Um, I think the same age range applies to both of those, the funnest and the hardest. Um, he was That's what my very, sister says, so yeah, good answer. Yeah, he was very fun at age three and four, just like conversationally fun. I had a hard time like getting down on the floor and playing. That was mm-hmm. very hard for me. And I was not in a good place personally. But that kid was list. I always said he was eight going on 80. Even before he was eight, he made old man noises. And his <laughs> vocabulary was incredible. Like, I think one of my favorite stories is we were in the drive-thru at McDonald's. And it was taking forever. And from his car seat in the back, I just hear, man, this is crap. <laughs> and, and I just said, that's, you know, we don't, we don't use that word. So he put, he just paused. It was complete silence. And after like 30 seconds, he says, man, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, and then I was just like, where do you even know that word? How can you pronounce it? Like, what is, what is happening? But it was just stuff like that constantly coming out of his mouth. Yeah. It's such a fun age when you just have no idea what they're going to say. Yes. And when it's like, when it's, when it is so accurate. Oh yeah, and so absolutely. out and so above their age level, it's some of yes. the best comedy that yeah, can absolutely. exist in the world. <laughs> and then at the same time, I was living on my own in a different city, going to grad school, and I just remember there was this one time in the kitchen, and he was just on my nerves, and the cat was on my nerves, and I just yelled at him, and then like heard myself afterwards, and so I knelt down and just apologized. I'm like, I'm sorry that I'm yelling at you. I'm going to do these things, and I'm going to try really hard not to yell at you anymore. And I turned around, and he did something else, and I just yelled again. <laughs> it's like, God not winning this day right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there were so many yeah. of those moments. Yeah. 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 So now I think it's really interesting. The older he got, it felt like the more fun he got. And Mm -hmm. I tried really hard to loosen 
some boundaries, I think, because he was a pretty uptight kid and full of his own anxiety. And so just kind of, I don't know, I didn't put a lot of restrictions on language that I had growing up, obviously, when he was three. And I told him he couldn't say crap, you know, so as he got older, we just had open discussions about a lot of that. And it was just really fun watching him kind of sink into that. Sometimes I feel like he's a little too comfortable around me. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to ask because you were so young when you had him and there is a smaller gap in age, if it makes your relationship with him now that he's older, feel any more towards the mentor friend side of the scale than the parent. uh, Yeah. um, Yes. And I think a big part of that is that he didn't want to become a teenager because he didn't want to have that attitude. Mm-hmm. He was scared when he was a preteen of becoming a teenager because he didn't want to have a teenager attitude. And I think we've made it through most of his teen years without that teenage attitude. Yes. And yeah, I mean, because he's still like a lot of times boys like hit the age where they don't want to cuddle or hug or any of those things. And he's never outgrown that. Mm-hmm. Like we we still start and end the day with huge hugs and throughout high school when I'm dropping him off before he could drive he would jump out of the car and yell back I love you like and what no matter who was around he didn't care so parenting him as he was getting older was pretty easy and he didn't require a lot of no's I wonder too if part of that sweetness is because he got to watch you struggle and be vulnerable and kind of the way that you are teaching him to be out in the world. I just wonder if the openness and vulnerability that you raised him with helped foster that. I think that's it. Yeah. Do you, do you? Yeah, I think we're right. I don't, I don't feel like I can take credit for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. So he is, yeah. I mean, we do kind of cross the line sometimes between uh, friend and Between parents. movie theater diehard and unrated I, Right. You know, but he was really a late bloomer. And so there were uh, jokes that high school kids go through and he didn't really understand them, but he would bring them home. And so I would try to joke it off a little bit. Like, I don't know what was one of them was like, though, the what she said jokes, right? Mm-hmm. He did not understand what that was about. And he tried to bring it home and he would use it pretty well without Accurately. understanding. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and I would just try to like steer the conversation away from it. And he just kept bringing it back and bringing it back. And so one day I was just like, we need to talk about what this joke means and what it is about. And he's like, oh, that's what it means. I'm like, yes, absolutely. And then a couple of days later, he did it again. And at that point, since we'd had the conversation and I knew he understood what it was, the response was now, are you really making a sexual joke to your mom? (laughs) Is that what's going on now? And I think that put an end to that. So there is like, (laughs) yeah, like I'll, but I didn't want him to, you know, I've, I've spent my life censoring myself. So Yeah. So I really, I enjoy that he can bring that to me and that there's still a place for me to like, maybe we should not go that far. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
you seem like you have a, a really good grasp of all of the feelings and thinking through how to handle the emotions, but do you, what type of, we always ask our guests, what type of mom guilt, mom guilt, mom cult, mom, mom cult guilt, guilt. <laughs> do you feel if, if any, and um, just generally, what do you, what do you get? What do you feel guilty about? Oh man, there's <laughs> so this. much, so much. <laughs> um, I mean, well, you know, I've been doing a lot of work trying to heal my own childhood shame mm-hmm. and just learning about how much you're affected as a baby and yeah. a young toddler. And I was not in a good place. And I would scream and yell in his presence and all kinds of things. And I'm like learning all of these things and how they may have affected me now and what I need to do to work past them. And I just keep going back to those early moments of like, God, how much did I screw up this kid? And, you know, it's there's nothing I can do about it now. I mean, I can't go back and change it. And so it's just moving forward. But there is, there's so there's still guilt there. And like I just listen to these things and I think that every person like this becoming a parent really should work through the shame like mm-hmm. that they've grown up with. It's because I mean it just continues to get passed down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We um we just talked about I mean same again this is uncanny really <laughs> you guys are basically the same person yeah we're we're soulmates it's funny yeah. <laughs> I do feel that way um uh you feel that um I'm just kidding so the but we were just talking about on our last after the episode about inner child work and I feel like I mean I don't have anything figured out either but something that's been helpful is healing those things individually like with your various and sundry inner children. And I think that those healing moments then ripple out through the rest of your life. Those little things, those chasms are healable. I'm going to believe that in a, like, and I think, I mean, I don't know, we go real weird, but in like a alternate timeline, I think we can heal those, those things, if not in like a real tangible way, just, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it makes me sad kind of to just be learning all of these things about me and like all of these traumas that I didn't think were traumas, but that's not the sad part. The sad part is that how many people are out there not doing that mm-hmm. and not realizing that and just continuing to go through life, like spreading the trauma. Yeah. And yeah. One of the things my sister said on the same episode Sarah was talking about, which just rings so true with becoming a parent, is that trauma breaks you and also breaks something open inside of you. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, there's a lot of weight that comes with it, but the gift that, that that kids bring into our lives because they do break us open in a way that makes us um, have to try to heal those wounds if we want to feel like we're a whole human going in to take care of this other whole human. Yeah, absolutely. But. And, you know, I just, I feel like back when I was pregnant, like there was nobody to tell me that. Yeah. And yeah. So I just, yeah, I don't know that I would say that I feel cheated, but I just feel like there's something that we should be able to do to help these 
new parents, mm-hmm. like, you know, just, yeah. That's what was my whole yeah, scene that I wrote was about was just, I, yeah, absolutely. The, the ridiculousness that all people say to me is congratulations. <laughs> and there's like a bajillion other things that no one is telling me is headed my way. Yeah, And then it makes yes. you feel crazy when you're in it and you're either not happy or feel emptier than you ever have before when you thought this baby was going to make you feel the most fulfilled you've ever felt in your whole life. There's there's just so many nuances and feelings that you don't even have the words to explain what you're feeling, but you just know that you feel guilty for feeling or that I must be feeling the wrong thing or something's wrong with me because I'm not feeling happy and full right now. There's, yeah, I feel like there's just so, so many conversations that could happen while you're pregnant to, to prep you. (laughs) Not that everyone's experience is the same. And and I also get that we don't want to be like wet blankets when someone's pregnant. You don't want to be like, Oh, sorry. (laughs) Obviously. Yes. Congratulations. It is super exciting, but some like happy medium of I don't know, just more preparation, even if it's just about postpartum or how complicated breastfeeding might be, or I don't know that you might have the thought of like, I don't want to do this right now. I really don't want to do this right now. And having that feeling just inside of you as a human of going, my kid can have the tantrum. I'm supposed to keep it together. I'm not allowed to have the tantrum right now. Yeah. But then there's like, just that awareness of like when you're having these feelings and you feel like you're a a crap parent and you don't have anything together like that all of that feeling doesn't have anything to do with you it's all something that you've brought with you and it's completely healable i just feel like all of those thoughts that i had i just accepted that that's how it was for me and that there was nothing that could be done to make me a better person or a better parent or anything i just had to accept that that's the kind of parent i am and that's not at all true just because you know you don't you don't know any better right yeah where do you feel like you are on your journey right now as far as feeling comfortable with with yourself um i feel like i'm a day ahead of yesterday (laughs) (laughs) and congratulations thank you thank you yeah it is constant and it will forever be constant and i think i'm in a place now where i've gotten rid of self-judgment congratulations and yeah yeah yeah, it's huge i'm not saying that i never have those little twinges you know of shame or whatever that come up but when they come up I don't dive into a spiral of self-blame and shame and all of that. I can recognize where I'm feeling and then kind of investigate what's going on. And yeah, I think that's, that's really been huge. Just giving myself permission really to not have to go into this shame spiral as I call it sometimes. And from that, I think it's just like, it's blossoming in all areas of my life and not in a constant like upward path there are hills and valleys and deep trenches sometimes but yeah well a bajillion thank yous for 
sharing with us today it is exactly what I was hoping it would be. Yay, good. I'm glad I didn't disappoint. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. For I'm once so in your life, you did not disappoint. <laughs> yes, I am so, thank you. I'm. This is going on my Google calendar with a yearly reminder that on this day, I did not disappoint. Thank you so much for having me on, for thinking of me. And Of course. Yeah. No, we really appreciate it. It's been so fun. I know. I did want to list a couple of book recs that I got for any parents out there whose kids are expressing what's the what's the proper thing to say, Nico? Um, I don't know. Even like just questioning anything, gender, sexual orientation, just even like small comments, you know, it's always the perfect time to have that conversation. Uh, some book titles that I got that are have been helpful to some other parents that I know. One is called It Feels Good to Be Yourself. My Maddie, M-A-D-D-I-E. What Are Your Words? And Calvin. For anybody out there who's looking for some tools. I'm glad I got to see your face again. I know it's been forever. Have you put your scene on tape yet that you wrote? Uh, nope. Still have to do that final yeah, edit. I haven't either. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are doing an incredible job. I can't fathom the uphill battle that you have spent most of your life climbing and you clearly done it with, I'm sure. And I'm sure there's moments you feel like you haven't done it with, with grace, but Absolutely. Uh, from, the out, from the outside in, the, the person that you are today is obviously a reflection of everything that you've been through and overcome. I appreciate that. What do you got? Top that. I can't. <laughs> you can say ditto. It'll be just Ooh, as yeah, poignant. Yeah, exactly the same. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm so glad we're going to be in each other's lives forever now. Yes, I know, right? For your souls. You don't ever have to speak again. I love, I love gaining soulmates. <laughs> Um, have a great rest of your week. Yeah, have you a too. 2023. Yeah, same. Thank you both. I had a great time. It was good to see you again. Yeah, same. Bye. Bye. I'm Sarah Parker Massey, and she's Joy Todd, and this is the Mom Cult Podcast. Yeah, yeah. And I'm pretty sure we've been recording through my computer speakers for mm. the last 30 minutes. Sorry. Ha <laughs> ha.